In the vast landscape of personal transformation, every individual's journey is unique, filled with diverse experiences, struggles, and triumphs. Recognizing the power of storytelling as a catalyst for growth and connection, a journal club emerges as a vibrant space for people to gather, share, and inspire one another along their transformative paths. Welcome to the Pond Journal Club, a space where participants bring their narratives to life, weaving together the threads of their personal journeys. The club serves as a platform where individuals can openly express their emotions, reflect on their challenges, and celebrate their achievements. It is a space where vulnerability is embraced and participants find solace in knowing that they are not alone in their transformations. The purpose of this journal club extends beyond mere storytelling. It fosters a sense of community, providing a supportive network for individuals who share similar aspirations and experiences. By actively participating in the club, participants create connections and forge meaningful relationships based on empathy, understanding, and shared growth. As members take turns sharing their stories, the journal club becomes a wellspring of inspiration. Each perspective serves as a source of motivation, offering valuable lessons, insights, and strategies for overcoming obstacles, pursuing personal growth. Ultimately, the live journal club serves as a transformative catalyst, empowering individuals to embrace their stories and take ownership of their personal growth. It cultivates a safe and nurturing space where narratives intertwine fostering empathy, encouragement, and the unwavering belief that everyone has the potential to grow, evolve, and find fulfillment in their transformational journeys. I am Uncle Lou, and today I have the honor and the pleasure to have with me, as usual, Brian Wesley Harrington, as well as Farron Russell. Really want to just start off like we always do with our wellness score. So for example, wellness score is a scale from one to 10 about how you're feeling and an overall reason of why you're that way. So just for an example, I'm Uncle Lou, he, him pronouns, and my wellness score, I would say, is honestly at a nine, um, really pushing at a 10. I've been at home for the past week and it's been wonderful time frame being back at home and uh, being able to just fellowship with family and friends. And so really excited to be here. And so with that, I'm gonna pass it to Brian. Hey y'all. I am at about a eight. I'm doing there. I'm doing good. I got a lot of rest this week that I needed because y'all know this program whooping my ass, but I've got a lot of rest. Uh, and I'm just now on the, like today I started back doing some work. So I'm easing myself back into it. Got a lot of reflection done, a lot of rest. So yeah, I'm at about an eight, you know, tiptoeing at a nine. These are high. I feel a little bad. I would say about a 7.6. I didn't discover really until this year that community was like really big for me. And so similar to you, Melvin, I had the chance to be around family and it was good and the food was good. And so that made me excited, but it's not quite an eight or nine where y'all are because um, I feel like the weekends are two blinks and it makes me a little sad. And I don't know, I have to get my mind around in the adult team that happens next week. I said I'm 26, right? All right. So just to give a high level overview for this particular journal club, it's the topic is unveiling the transformative potential of self-reflection. So as you're aware, we've been going through the transformation journey, talking a little bit about how to be present, how to be mindful, different ways to celebrate different wins. And today, now we're just taking the time to really do that self-reflection. 
where we have been in our various different aspects of our journeys and how we can be our most present and mindful selves during that time. So just to kick us off, um, going to start off with this question of how do you define self-reflection and what techniques or practices do you use for self-reflection in your life? And like he is coming at the gate with these. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? PM on the jam here. I'm gonna get my brain. That's right. Define it and then give examples. I think. I think oh, Brian, did you want to go first? Oh, no, go ahead. I'm still. I'm thinking too. I like okay. the question. Yeah. Okay. For for definition, say self reflection is a time of being honest. First of all, when I think about self reflection, I think about like. Solitude and silence, because that's what I need. That's partially what I need, because I'm also a verbal processor. But at some point, I need to be, like, away from human situation, whatever, just to have that time to think. So I think it's some good think time where you're really honest with yourself. Because sometimes I think we do a great job of living in delusion land. What the baby say, delulu land? And so I just, I think that's that, that quality time with self to, to really think about who, who am I? Who am I trying to be and have I been showing up as that like human being? And then based off of those particular questions, determining like what dots connect, what don't. And and in some in some cases you're like, I don't wanna be, I don't wanna be I don't wanna be nasty today. I don't wanna be unkind. I'm like <laughs> determining like how you wanna shift. That's my denotation. I love that. I love that. I love one of the things that you said as far as being a verbal analyzer, I'm curious about what does that look like for you? Okay, now I listen, the listeners, I don't want, I don't want judgment, but do, I'm an only child. So I'm very accustomed to talking to myself. I don't answer myself, but I have to out hear it out loud. So either that or going back to this piece about community is really important to me. I have what I call my wise counsel because you just can't talk to anybody. Anybody. And so I do I talk to trusted people. And what I love about my community is that they love me so much that they're going to tell me the truth that they know I'm, they know I'm gentle. I'm a delicate flower. So they cannot just say it any old kind of way. They know how to say it, but they're going to tell me the, the truth. So either talking to myself or talking to my wife counsel, or for me personally, I, I'm spiritual. So I'll talk to my Lord as well. I love that. I really love that. I really resonate with what you were saying as far as being the person that that you strive to be or that you want to be, and then looking at the person that you are in that particular moment and using that time, that quiet time or what have you, to not be in delusional land, to just really and truthfully take that time for self-reflection. And for me, it's pretty much the same thing. Like the techniques that I would say that I use is just being on to myself, whether that's with working out, sometimes I just love sitting in my car. I, now that gas has become like five, $6 in Seattle, I don't really drive around like I used to, but literally just sitting in my car and just taking that time to just reflect in different things of that nature. It's, I think it's really important to be okay in that solace. Being an only child as well, I'm used to being able to find my own little quiet places. But I do think that there is some magic in being able to find that kind of space. Yeah, I agree with everything y'all said. And I would just say to add to it, just intentional 
non-judgmental examining of your emotions and your thoughts and your feelings, but heavy on the intentional and non-judgmental. I think that part of reflection is key, the non-judgmental part. And as far as things I do, therapy for one is very good for me. I use it because, and I use my therapist. I use that, that 50 minutes we work and I do a lot of talking. I want it to be a mirror for myself. And parents said, Wise Council Community definitely had that. I tried journaling because that's the first thing everyone ever recommends. But journaling doesn't quite work for me. Never uh, mentioned sitting in the car. I drive an hour to and from school every day. That time in my car, sometimes it's not spent um, I'm listening to a podcast or listening to a um, listen to music. It's meant, it's, it's just me thinking. And so that helps me a lot. And prayer. In prayer, I definitely do a lot of self-reflection there because I'm very open. It's very open and intimate. Right? So I'm very, very much open there and very much self-reflection there. Get good answers. So that's, yeah, that's how I would define it. And that is how I practice it. What is the thing? First of all, my mom thinks I'm ridiculous because I love to sit in my car. I love yeah. to sit. I'm happy. Yes. I, love I just think that I need to decompress. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. This piece that you say, Brian, about non-judgmental -judge time with yourself, I love that because it's so easy when you are reflecting to be like, no, girl, you know you wasn't supposed to. Just be like really hard, like really mean to your... I remember my um, therapist saying this earlier uh, this year to me about you're your own bully. Like you're being mean to yourself. And I'm like, you're right. I think I let people do that. So I really love that piece. And then, of course, the prayer piece, because I'm getting into that, or I've gotten into that space in my relationship with God to just be real. I'm feeling this way. Yeah. I feel like I'm starting up this way. Help. I you the made part by voice. I ought to be. But I love that. And I like that you said the word mean instead of unkind. We, we try to make it soft. I'm unkind to myself or I'm not gentle to myself. No. Sometimes we are flat out mean to ourselves. And what I've had to tell myself is, I wouldn't, if Melvin came to me with the same thing, I wouldn't say, Melvin, oh, that was dumb as hell. Why would you do that? Why would you, I wouldn't say that. Mm -hmm. So why mm -hmm. am I saying this to myself? Yeah. It's a girl. She's a wrong lady, actually. But I think she's a JSU grad. She is a stylist. Her name is um, Deshonja Nicole. She's a personality. She is, I, I love her. In my mind, we're best friends. She don't know me though. But she was talking earlier this year on social media. She's talking about how her goal for this year is to be her own best friend. And it took that. I had a very embarrassing moment earlier this year. It was, I was speaking publicly. I didn't, but event I was invited to his last minute, but also I didn't realize it was a stand up hold the microphone and say nice things about this person because I hadn't prepared. But I was like, do it. And I just, I didn't say what I had planned to say when I was sitting in my seat. But anyway. In that moment of trying to comfort myself after the fact while I'm eating my cake in the car, okay, okay. I was like, who am my best friend if she told me that this happened? And so I've been this year really trying to spend time to myself the way I would talk to my mom, the way I would talk to uh, my best friend. Just stay back here from the window, Oliver. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with that. And the car is therapy. I can't say that enough. The car is therapy. So with that in, in mind, I guess this is a really great pivot to the next question of, in your opinion, 
what emotions or insights often emerge during moments of deep self-reflection and how does that contribute to your personal growth? Because it's we have these moments where we recognize we're being unkind to ourselves or mean to ourselves. Like, how does that feel? And like, how do we learn from that to be able to grow to the person that we're striving to be? So Baron, I, I'm really curious about like your example about when you were doing that public speaking, how did you talk to yourself as a yeah. friend to get you over that hump? I'm glad you said that because I do remember what I said. Of course, the initial <laughs> feelings were like, that was so dumb. You gotta be. Keep your back on. Just gave her a hug at the end and said bye. But I, after I asked myself, what would you tell you this? Well, if Ashley said that, hey girl, if you watch it. If Ashley said that, what would you say to her? And I said, Farron, you, first of all, plenty of people that this lady, because this is an elder, she's an elder, she's a seasoned saint. This lady knows so many people, and there are people who are older than you who have known her long than you that didn't have the courage to get on their microphone and give her a blouse. So at least you had the courage to get up there and say something to the woman. And that's when I, I got a little bit after that. I love that. I love that. That was a good way to reframe. I love that. I think for me, the emotion that I could think of immediately that comes up is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And which everybody knows my favorite white woman in the world is Renee Brown. We are very friends. We are. I, yes, we, we are. So it's me, you, and Deshaun and Nicole. Got it. Okay. We, we'll step up brunch time. Okay. I love Renee Brown. I love her talks on vulnerability and shame. And so for me, vulnerability comes up. And also shame, and I have to, but I don't judge the shame because if that emotion is part of me and I'm feeling it, but I address it. Like you said, with talking to yourself, I address it. And think about Tariq Ali, who I love. He's a personality on um, IG, social media personality, um, and playwright and whatnot, but a screenwriter rather, but he talks a lot about the inner child. And so I always try to think back to, okay, I'm in this moment of self-reflection, when I see something, being vulnerable enough to be like, okay, yeah, that happened. How do I feel? What does it say about me? Then sometimes a little shame comes in there, a little negative comes in there. Why would you do that? You could, like you said, you could have stayed, sit down. And so you got to make a fool of yourself. But instead of trying to dismiss it very quickly, I let it sit there and I talk to it. Like, cause my answer, okay, little Brian, okay, you feel a little embarrassed, but that's fine. <laughs> but listen, you did it. Let's learn from it. Use it as a stepping stone. What what would you have wanted to do differently? Or talk about, is it really as bad as you think it is? No, that's was the it, one Was it really that embarrassing? Mm-hmm. Did anybody else judge you as harsh for the issue? What did they do in the moment? Did they clap? Okay, you're the only person that thought I was naked. So sometimes it ends up with me realizing, listen, that it really wasn't as bad as you thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't get to that without being vulnerable. So vulnerability comes up a lot for me in that moment, too. That makes a lot of sense. I I would say the same thing that you're saying, Brian, like vulnerability comes up a lot, especially whenever we talk in this piece that we're talking about transformation and like that context of that, it, there comes a moment within that transformation process where you really and truthfully have to be vulnerable with yourself and being able to face the music or face the man in the mirror, however you want to articulate it, to be able to have that kind of self-reflection. And so for me, I I think one of the things that I'm really learning about myself is that I'm a very emotional creature. I am someone who wears their heart on their sleeve and somebody who can get invested into things. And through that, what I'm learning is 
how to recognize those emotions when they come in mm. and how to steer in what direction that they want to come. Mm. Oh, mm. Mm. Wait, wait, I like that. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. Hey. You can park right there. Steer in the direction going. Yes. Oh. You can park right there for a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that right <laughs> right there. No, you can go off over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. So a good example of that is I was having a very candid conversation with someone and it was a pretty rough conversation because it was facing a reality that we both didn't necessarily want to address. And in that conversation, there was the one, me being the, uh, initiator of the conversation to say, Hey, can, are you ready to have an honest or this candid conversation? And then the reciprocant to say, yes, I'm open to having it. And all of that anxiety, all of that anticipation of being able to have such a conversation and the possibility of what the answers would be to the questions that I had to ask and being in that moment of self-reflection, I think about that I already knew what the answers to the question were. I just wanted to know what, I just wanted to hear it come from the lack of a better term, the horse's mouth and having that particular conversation and navigating that it allowed me to say, Hey, I'm on the cusp of being emotional. I'm at the peak or the apex of my emotional peak. Where do I want to go from here? Do I want to stay up here for a little bit and view the mountain and view the sites that I am? Or am I just going to rush back down the hill and say, okay, I, that's something to check off the list. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it's okay to just say, I did it. We had the conversation. Let's move on. But sometimes it's beautiful to just take a moment and just view the view of the, of the space that you're in. And for that particular situation, I was able to do that. And it turned out to be something even more fulfilling for me than draining and to be honest with you, I can't imagine a, a more beautiful moment than such as that. It sounds like this, that moment, I, I like to hear more about how the moment made you feel or how it impacted your, like how it impacted your growth or, or whatever, because it, it sounds like it was a pretty profound moment to you. I would say that it impacted my growth pretty well because with any kind of candid conversation, in my opinion, it can be make it or break it, right? Like. You're, and mm -hmm. so to be able to have that kind of conversation with this person and them being able to reciprocate the same type of energy that I was pouring mm -hmm. into, that was something mm -hmm. that was beneficial because the way that I've always looked at it is like, and I was just having a conversation with someone about this a couple of months ago is that there are two types of people, people that you consume with and people that you create with. It's like Tata since so, okay. Let me get my little pen. Let me get my little pen. <laughs> oh. People. Yeah. Say it again. Say it again. Make sure you consume with and people you create with. Well, you can laugh. Create. Yeah. So consuming can be anything. It can be consumption of media, consumption of food, consumption of shopping, things that are filling your cup, but maybe taking away from something. Or it could be someone that you just have conversations with or, and sometimes it can be draining in a sense because you're being that person that they're pouring into. 
But then people that you create with is people that you like develop things with people that there's some type of asset that comes from whatever came from it, whether it's like a good working session, whether it's a workout buddy, something that creates to whatever you're trying to build towards. But in that moment, when you asked that question, Ryan, about how I felt, it made me feel like there's a, actually a third type of person or a third type of scenario where not only are you and that person like both pouring into something, but you're pouring into a space that you didn't even know that you had capacity for at that particular time. And so for me, it was really beautiful just to have that moment with them to pour my emotions into something and that same person receive that information and say, hey, I'm going to pour back into you as well. And so it was like this mutual beneficial thing. Yeah, I, I like that because you think about I'm like a fan. I, I wrote that down. People you consume with and people you create with. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having the people that you consume with because it's, it's just it's natural. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know that one is better than the other, um, but I do think it's good to have a good balance. Mm. It's definitely good because there are some people that you talk to, and it, it, uh, I can think of one person in particular I used to talk to a lot, and it would just be always about somebody else. We're just consuming what we saw on social media about the person. We're consuming what we heard about the person. We're consuming what we're gonna, what thoughts we're gonna attach to, what meaning we're gonna assign to it. And in the moment, it's oh, okay, but then after about. Uh, well, I'm actually going to be honest with you, a couple of years, I'm like, wait, is this really fun? It's not very much fun. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's not, not very fun. So after about two minutes of a little gossip, I'm still gossiping a little bit. I'm, you know, I'm still do that. I'm going to send a screenshot or two. Mm -hmm. But after about two or three minutes of that, it's awful with her. Let's move on. Listen, what's going on in your life, Baron? What's mm -hmm. going on at work? Mm -hmm. Let's move on to some you know positive here. It's making me wonder if some consumption people, like if, Cause, you know, you used the word draining a couple of times regarding consumption, mm -hmm. like regarding people you consume with. If it's a situation where that those relationships tend to not have like depth per se, because that's what I'm gathering from your example. Because I thought about some people in my head too. Those relationships really don't have depth though, and that's why <laughs> it's okay, girl. What's the goal for next year? You got your resolution. Right. Yeah, depth is a good word. Depth is a good word. And it makes me wonder why we hold on to those relationships sometimes. What does it serve us? And and I'm hoping I can tie this into transformation so I can get back on topic. But it makes, makes me wonder why do we hold on to them? What? And I it is part of self-reflection because for me, that's something I would like to reflect on. What does this relationship give me? Mm. And Melvin mentioned a, a couple of episodes ago, or maybe we were on as told by Millennials podcast, he talked about placeholders, having a placeholder, then having the real thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a good answer for him then, but I've thought about that question a lot since then, and, and, and I do have an answer now, Melvin. I know when it's peace and not a placeholder because I don't have to alter myself to keep it around. I know. When it came to me, I said, wait a minute. That's the answer I should have given him. But that, like, when I don't, it's, it's a placeholder when there's something about me, I'm diminishing myself, I'm, I'm dimming my life, I'm going along with things I really don't enjoy, I'm yes. having no-depth conversations. So 
That's and not just a place soldier. You are exhausting me and exactly what you said. I'm losing pieces of me because I got to fit into this box. And, and now all of it, you don't get the full magic. So that's how I know it's a placeholder and it's not my piece. Mm. So that, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, I'll get off of that now and, and get back to transformation. <laughs> I, I think that really ties in and really hits the nail on the head about what we're talking about as far as the emotions that insights into you as far as exhausting yourself and being able to recognize that something isn't necessarily bringing that, that particular piece. And I think that asks the question when you're doing that self-reflection, how do you find that particular piece? Because no one really wants to self-reflect when they're exhausted or in the midst of chaos. If you're running from a horde of bees, you're not going to be like, oh, let me pause and think for it a little bit. You're going to get stung. So it's to put yourself into that piece. I'm curious around how you identify whether someone is giving you that piece or not. This year has been a year of many things. One of one of the things has been boundaries. And, and of course, listen, boundaries are for you, which is true. My boundaries are my non-negotiables. I had to sit down and be like, what are like, what are core values? And then building my boundaries based off of that. And people in my life who think I like take it a little too far. But I don't think wait, after I do it, I'm about to tell you what I do. What I found those like moments after the, that you just talked about, Brian, of is that a free piece? Is that, is that, do I do I want do I need this? I can't be tough, you know, and from, <laughs> and I'm not to where I don't even give a prep. I used to talk to you about that I don't have to do all this because so and that could either look like me sometimes I like go like fade like that Homer Simpson I'll <laughs> fade or I just I will literally just block you because I and that's for me that's like, people are like me no it's not it's not me out of sight out of mind I don't want you on my timeline I don't want you I'm not mad at you but I don't want that and then that even that even goes into something else I like to do I've been recalibrating my algorithm because I don't want to keep seeing doom and gloom about the world on my algorithm. One, one for sure way I, I've been leaning real heavily into this year is my boundaries, which includes letting people go, which includes blocking some people. I am with you on that fair. I used to do what you, what you call the fade out. I used to call the fizzle. Oh, I like that. I would call, I would do it the fizzle. Like I be talking every day. Now we talk twice a week. If you talk once with, listen, that's a lot of words try to keep up with. It's somebody to just block you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I had a situation where I did that and because I would just not respond to them. But I'm like, I'm having to still see them on Facebook and then I'm reminded of what happened. Yes. I'm reminded yes. of how they hurt me. And mm-hmm. I feel if I block them, they're going to think. And I start thinking what they're going to think. And I'm like, Brian, that don't matter what they didn't give a damn what, what you brought when they hurt you. So you don't, you don't care. So I do that. Also, to answer the question, no, compassion, self-compassion. Mm. In the moments when I'm doing a reflection, reflecting and stuff, it's self-compassion. And uh, there's a pastor I like, Pastor Christian Smith. Uh, he talks about like the love your neighbor verse. And he says, everyone does the you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself, where everybody does the first part but they don't do the second part. 
So to truly love somebody, you need to love yourself. Mm. And so I have leaned very heavily into that this year. And I have made decisions that show that I honor and love myself. Because I can look, when I do self-reflection, I can look in the past and see where the decisions I made, they were on a fair. It was showing Melvin that I loved him. But I'm still, I'm in the box. I'm not being my fullest, most authentic self. And so this year, I've been very intentional on, in those moments of reflecting, when I'm vulnerable and I let my guard down and I tap into and see, okay, this is a thing, that's a thing. I'm not judging it. We just noticing that it's there. Yeah. I use it as a stepping stone. So what you going, what are you going to do now? I use it as a stepping stone for personal growth. And one of my goals was to practice more intentional loving on myself this year. Mm. And I've made several decisions that I can point out that this shows that I'm putting Brian first. I love him. And the and because I've done that, I am more I am able to better love my neighbor. I'm able to better love my neighbor. And I, I feel like I'm more in touch with my core values that you mentioned earlier, knowing those core values. And it's easier for me to set up boundaries and enforce them because I love myself so much that I'm not gonna allow you to, to put me in space. So when the boundaries That's up, it. it used to be so difficult. I'm a c I'm a recovering chronic people, please. Hey. A word that you just used, Brian, you said compassion for self. And yes. And so one thing I want to add to my answer based on that is before I let these people go, because obviously, because I feel like we're on the same wavelength. Usually if I have to let you go, you have caused harm. And, and either it, one, it was either one egregious act or it, you kept breaking that boundary. I didn't talk to you about it too, but I didn't talk mm -hmm. to you about it. But before, before it gets to, I, you have to go do it to this point about self-reflection i do have to sit down and be like girl am i the drama is this, what did i do have i how did i contribute to this what am i being overly whatever sometimes it turns into gaslighting myself and stuff but <laughs> I, but i do have before i make that decision to have to determine or decide is this is also something i've been struggling with if i could be transparent what is that fine line and this isn't a rhetorical question if you have an answer on how you go about it please say so what is that fine line between Show that person, show me some more grace and you played in my face. Oh, that rhymes. But you are trying to be more graceful to a person and this person is. So, yeah. 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 I like what you said because I do the same thing. You're right on the same wavelength. I, I give you a chance. I talk to you about it. And I'm going to always, well, I, I'm working on this, but I'm going to always make it me first. Maybe I could have done. Yeah. Or maybe I should have done that. And I've been learning to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. let, let it be what it was. Whatever. But you mentioned a fine line between showing grace and then just cutting it off. I think it may differ from person to person. But for me, I'm I'm gonna show you grace. But I feel like the old saying when you know, you fool me once Shame on me for which time, shame on you. Or J. Cole says, can't put the blame on you. Uh, after that first time, okay, we had a conversation. The second mm -hmm. time, to me, you better. Mm -hmm. And you are showing me that you are disrespecting me and the grace I'm giving you. So mm -hmm. if I allow us to remain in, in connection at the same level we're in, I'm now disrespecting myself. But it's just like an inner knowing. I guess it's just the difference from person to person. But at the root of it, though, is for me, it's disrespect. Mm -hmm. And you ain't got the, this lady, I can think of her name now, Dr. Somebody from Ole Miss. She said, you don't have to respect me. 
but you're not going to disrespect me. Mm. I, I, I live by that now. You don't have to respect me, honey. You don't have to. But what you're not going to do is disrespect me. Yeah. I, I love this because I think where we've come to is a really great pivot to this kind of last point where there's this intersection between self-reflection and self-acceptance. Like being able to get to the point where you've done your self-reflection and being able to be compassionate to yourself or be acceptance of whatever the situation may be. And I think what you talk about there, Brian, in the sense of you don't have to necessarily respect, but you do have to respect me because at the end of the day, I've come to a point where I've been compassionate to myself. I've come to a point to where I've accepted certain things of myself. And so this is my, as you were saying earlier, Farron, about boundaries, this is like my boundary. This is my expectation that I would bring to the world. And it's not too much to ask for because mm-hmm. it's, it's not too much to ask for to be respectful to another person, to be understanding of someone else's boundaries and different things of that nature. So I'm curious for you, how does that concept intersect or that understanding intersect between self-reflection and self-compassion look like for y'all? Intersection of self-acceptance and self-compassion. For me, uh, once I see, once I'm vulnerable, I see what I am. I sit with it and I accept it. And I drown myself in compassion now. So as opposed to what we used to do, um, it's just, girl, just drown So Why did you do that, Brian? What did you need in that moment? And if I could figure out what I needed in that moment, I'd give it to myself right then in, in, in the moment I'm doing the reflect. So that way when I know it, again, when it comes up again, I know what that feels like and I know what to do to, to fix it. And so self-compassion comes in very heavily for me. And also, like I said, the intersection is, for me, is, is growth as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said earlier, using this as a moment for personal growth. Okay, this happened. I, I've drowned in compassion. I've bathed in compassion. And, I, and I, I'm beginning the healing process. So now let's move on to growth. What are we going to learn from this? What are we going to do differently? What are we going to do to heal that part of ourselves? Because maybe it's something that's going to take, but there's going to be a process to heal from. So what can I do today to start the healing process? What's one little something I can do today that I can get some momentum? I use it as like a catalyst, I guess you could say, for personal growth. To your point, Ryan, on how you were saying that you show, show yourself compassion in, in that space to verbally say over and over again, like you were, you did your best. Mm-hmm. Fair, you did your best. You did your best at doing what you, you know, you were doing your best, the best you could. And so I, I have to remind myself of that because I can say earlier, it's really easy to be like, now you let, so I have to keep saying that, but then, so when I get into, so to your point, Brian, about like, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do moving forward? I get into like self-preservation mode. So I'm thinking about, okay, this is the lesson learned. And then I start thinking about like, how can I go about not having to learn that lesson again. Now, sometimes it is, because I, I think part of anxiety or maybe the root of anxiety is this control. Like, this is out of my control and yeah. I am stressed about it. And so some of, that, some of that is like some pseudo control, but in some of that it's also just, okay, time to develop some new or to re some boundaries. So verbally having to remind myself, you 
you did your best. It was, mm, but you did your best. And then also just like it, like getting into self-preservation mode and determining like, how do I want to, how do I want to move going forward? Do I want to move forward? And that is to say that's like the best practice, but that's what's been known. What I've been holding on to, at least for this year. I love what you said about self-preservation and the part about whether you want to move. Because I think it's important for us to highlight, you don't have to, in that moment, you don't have to immediately start making a plan and goals for growth. It's okay to take that day and just acknowledge what you learned in that moment of self-reflection. <laughs> I learned that I want my boss's attention. So sometimes I go out of the way and I, I run myself ragged and I don't honor myself because I want my boss's approval. Mm -hmm. So what happened today is a result of that. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. a lot to, that's a lot. So you take that in. You don't have to immediately start making a plan and then, okay, what am I going to do? You can just sit in there for a day and say, you know what? Okay, I've acknowledged that. And now you start thinking what? A month ago, that's what that was. Mm-hmm. I remember mm -hmm. six months ago at that board meeting when I did such and such. Yeah. That's what that was. So just, just acknowledging it and then taking the time to maybe the next day or maybe the next week, you make your plan. So I think sometimes we try to move so quickly through the stages that we don't allow ourselves time to fully process. And I if you want to really preserve, like you got the, you got the, when you preserving jams, so you got the, like I'm going to say blanch it, you got to let it sit and cool that you got to take it out and do this. Like, it's a process mm -hmm, mm -hmm. before you can get the, the, the preserves. So sometimes we don't need to move so quick. I love the example that you gave because that, cause that's something else that this year, a couple of people fell off pedestals. I know you shouldn't do that, but we're human. It happens, right? Yeah, and I do think that pedestalizing is a form of dehumanizing. I think one end of the spectrum mm -hmm. of illegal aliens, because why would you do that? That is terrible. Right. But then the other side of that is you're so great. You're not, you're superhuman, which is also problematic. And mm -hmm. so I think that just even the example that you just gave Ryan about the boss situation, it, it's been a couple of times that I've had to, this is different people, it's not necessarily my boss, but de-pedestalize, like human, humanize people. And then one thing I'm trying, I'm starting to learn is meeting people where they are. And I don't say that in an elitist, with elitist connotation. But this, okay, so I'm not here right now with communication, but I still love you. And so what does that mean going with self-preservation? What does that mean for me if I want to continue to be in fellowship with you? What does it mean for me? Mm -hmm. Because I can't control Melvin. I can only control Brian. I love that. What does it mean for, what is it going to look like for me to continue this relationship? Mm -hmm. If I yeah. decide to. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah, I love it. I love that. So with that, I know this is a really great conversation, but want to be respectful of everybody's time. Brian, do you by any chance have your hindsight cards? I do. I actually got it out when I was doing, when we were doing introductions and I found one that I think that, I think that fits the conversation pretty well. So Aaron, I love these hindsight cards. I'm trying to find the box. Beautiful. He's on YouTube, H-I-N-D-Z. Site. But anyway, this card says, live the life you love and love the life you live. Okay. And on the back, it says, we are here to learn, live, and love. No matter where you are in life, 
there's an opportunity in the present moment to live, to love the life that you are living, to live the life that you love. Gratitude, friend. And I, my favorite part is, it said, no matter where you are in life, there's an opportunity in the present moment to love the life that you're mm-hmm. living. Because I think you mentioned anxiety and control. That's that you. I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right. Anxiety comes because he wants the control. Mm-hmm. But if we focus on the present moment, there's always an opportunity in the present moment to love the life you're living. I saw on Facebook the other day, somebody said, I'm living the life I prayed for years ago, something like that. And I stopped and I thought, Brian, you, you focus so much on what's next and what you're going to do and what might didn't work out. Did you not remember years ago, Brian said, oh, I would love to get my PhD. I would love to, like things that you are being prayed for. You are living in it now. Stop and be, stop and express gratitude mm-hmm. and lean into that. Mm-hmm. So I would say to y'all in, in the, on the transformation journey, during your self-reflection, always take a moment to stop and think about where you are because there's always something you can find mm-hmm. to be grateful for and, and love. Uh, and you said you were a former English teacher parent. I was too. Yeah. In, in, uh, in English teacher fashion, I'm going to quote uh, from a play by Lorraine Hansberry, where the mama was talking in the Raising the Sun and she was telling Benita, she was talking about Walter. And Benita was just shitting all over Walter. And she said, there's always something left to love. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's just a very good point to make. No matter what is going on in life, there's always something left to love. Something you can be grateful for in the midst of the day. So mm-hmm. that's what I leave with you from my card. Uh, that was really beautiful, Brian and Farron. Thank you for joining us today. And for anyone else that's listening, be sure to follow Don't Be Coy on all streaming platforms. And if you would like to watch this video, it is also going to be uploaded on YouTube. So with that, I hope everyone has a great rest of the day and talk to y'all later. In the tapestry of personal transformation, the Pawn Journal Club weaves its threads with intention and purpose, providing a dedicated space where individuals can embark on their transformative journeys with mindfulness and deliberation. By creating this nurturing environment, the club empowers participants to be intentional in their pursuit of growth, fostering a deeper connection with themselves and others. The purpose of the Pawn Journal Club is to provide individuals with a dedicated space to be intentional in their engagement with their transformation journeys. It offers support, connection, and inspiration as participants share their stories, learn from one another, and foster a community rooted in growth. Within the live sessions, individuals find solace and support as they navigate their transformations. They share their stories, vulnerabilities, and triumphs, knowing that they are met with understanding and empathy. Their shared experience cultivates a sense of community where members uplift and inspire one another, fostering an environment of collective growth. Want to participate in the next Journal Club? Register at dbkpodcast.com or watch live via YouTube at www.youtube.com forward slash at the Pond Journal Club.